You're listening to Frontlines, a podcast for the people that truly make mountain biking happen. Not the riders, racers, or product designers, but the builders, advocates, and the often forgotten board members of your local mountain bike trail association. Before we begin this episode of the podcast, I wanted to start by thanking Christine Reed for hosting what was one of my favorite discussions of the show so far. If you haven't listened to the last episode, then you need to go back an episode and have a listen. If you're a longtime listener, welcome back. And if last episode or this episode is the first one you've listened to, then welcome to the Frontlines MTB community. This episode will be a little bit different. It's the final episode before I take a summer break. The show will be back in September, so not a long wait at all. My goal is to take this time to research some new episodes and spend some extra time with my family. Now, I want to take this time to thank everyone who has supported the show financially. It's allowed me to cover my initial investment in equipment, as well as the cost of hosting episodes and the website. That initial runway of funding has been extremely helpful, but we've reached its end. This episode will be hearing from four guests about two upcoming events this fall. And if I can earn enough funding, I'd like to invest in the equipment required to record live from both of those events. So if you're a longtime listener of the show and you haven't done so yet, I encourage you to become a supporter. There's two ways that you can do it. The first is to go to the website, frontlinesmtb.com, and click the support link and donate via PayPal. The second is by purchasing books on Amazon from the Frontlines MTB Book Club page, portion of anything purchased on Amazon after following the links from frontlinesmtb.com slash book dash club will go to the show. It's part of the Amazon affiliate program. Stay tuned to the very end of this episode for two new recommendations that I think you'll like. Now, without any further delay, let's get to it. I'm your host, Brent Hillier, and this is episode 46 of Frontlines. I'd like to welcome two guests to the show. First, past guest, Tom Stusey, Executive Director at the Vermont Mountain Bike Association. Hi, Tom. Welcome back to the show. Thanks for having me back. And next, Melissa Workman, Executive Director at the Michigan Mountain Bike Association. Hi, Melissa. Welcome to the show. Hi. Thanks. So you're both here to to discuss the 2018 Mountain Bike State Summit. Uh, When is it and where is it? It's November 6th through 8th in Grand Rapids, Michigan. And the format, um, it, it starts on the 6th. The is that a, a full day? Is it a half day? How does, a, how does the schedule kind of lay out for those days? So on the 6th, we'll be welcoming people in um, mid-afternoon. They'll check in and get registered, um, be able to participate in a vendor fair. And also, um, if they've submitted an entry for the poster session, get to their table, set that up, and be there to host that. As people come in, they'll be able to work their way around and view the different posters. And then in the evening, we'll have kind of a formal strolling dinner where people can walk around and talk to anyone who submitted a poster, but also continue to share ideas and network with each other more formally. Now, I'm sure a, a number of those who are listening right now are familiar with with summits and and conferences and and uh, and you know what's what makes this particular event unique? Yeah, uh, we're really excited to innovate a new kind of meeting format at the summit in a few different ways, with the goal of ensuring that we're hosting multiple ways for everyone to participate. And the first is a poster session on the first day, 
Uh, traditionally, at conferences and, and summits, uh, topics are scheduled in advance. and They take fairly large chunks of time, and we'll be using that format as well, and there's a lot of value in that format. Um, but we also want to incorporate a poster session, and the goal of the posters is to get a bunch of ideas into the room all at once, which allows those in attendance to find the topics that speak most to their own situations and have the opportunity to speak with the innovator of that idea one-on-one -on -one for a bit. And the other advantage of the poster is that anyone can quickly take a photo of the poster and then have all the fundamental elements of a concept as a take-home. And ideally, this will lead uh, to their to them taking the idea back and giving it a shot and learning through their own experiences and ideally sharing feedback and insight with the originator at the next summit so to continue that sort of on, ongoing dialogue about you know sharing these innovations with each other. And so again, the goal behind the posters is really just to get a lot of content into the room all at once. And, you know, candidly, not everyone is interested in presenting, but everyone has a lot of, a lot of really great ideas. And so a poster may be a better avenue to share their innovation. And we'll also be hosting rolling topics at the summit. And these are posters that will simply ask questions and we're going to be inviting people to actually stop and write in their answers. Uh, stuff like po favorite podcast, favorite blog, uh, fundraising text, web developer, trail day format, and a host of other topics. And the hope is to ask a lot of general organizational building questions to open opportunities for everyone to share their knowledge. But more importantly, the, the typical summit format isn't likely to give full sessions towards stuff like what was the, what's the best fundraising book that you've read in the last year. Um, but it, it's these spaces in between the decisions we make every day that culminate into a lot of organizational value for us all. So the goal is to make an attempt at bringing that knowledge together and give some time and space to the kinds of things that we traditionally wouldn't at a meeting like this. But we want to tease all that value out as well. Uh, the last part and the most exciting for me is the trail grants. Any organization that presents or submits a poster is eligible to win a trail grant. And given that this is our first summit, we're not sure uh, what the monetary worth will be, uh, but we know we can't go wrong turning a conversation about organizational development into an opportunity to strengthen local stewardship. And then the the seventh is uh, is kind of where we get to a full day, and uh, and what's going to be included, what topics are going to be covered on that uh, on that full day. Yeah, it's a very full day on the seventh. Um, we start with breakfast slash um, panel discussion, um, diving right into kind of the really big nebulous heavy topic of diversifying and making more welcoming the sport of mountain biking with a panel of three speakers and that will go until mid-morning and then we have two breakout sessions um, one is understanding growth and then um, marketing is advocacy with a particular emphasis on working with convention and visitor bureaus and state tourism agencies in order to partner and promote trails. Uh, then we take a big break for lunch where we'll have um, an activity that is hosted by Velocity Wheels, which is one of our sponsors. And then um, we continue with another panel discussion on engaging urban youth. And then a couple more breakout sessions, building a trail grant program and the good and bad of events. Ending the day with a presentation by you, Brent, um, about trail forks, and then um, what we hope is a a timely but also um, productive and kind of future thinking conversation about e-bikes. So we're sort of leaving the disagreements behind about e-bikes and looking at ways that we can move forward 
as mountain biking associations with regard to e-bikes. Yeah, what I'm really excited about uh, this event is uh, lots of opportunity for discussion. I find any time that I've I've gone to events in the past, I'm uh, there's always somebody talking at me, and and I never have an opportunity to to relationship build. And so, uh, what I'm really excited about is how much opportunity you've kind of put into this uh, schedule for that, which is uh, fantastic. Yeah, th- well, that was really important to us, and um, I should add too that at the end of the day, we will offer everybody the chance to um, get on a trolley and take a tour of some of the breweries in Grand Rapids, but also at the same time, continue that relationship building and networking and sharing ideas. So I definitely want to talk a little bit more uh, about Grand Rapids and and some of the uh, events that that you have or some of the activities you have planned for for afterwards. I'm I'm assuming there's some riding to be had in, in Grand Rapids, but before uh, we get to that, I just want to talk about the the trail grant. So you're offering two trail grants uh, to participants uh, of the event or, or uh, attendants of the event. So with any event, there's a few on-site expenses to be covered, and and, and once we have all that covered, all the proceeds are going to go towards two trail grants. And to apply for a trail grant, you can find the application at vimba.org. And uh, the idea then is that a selection criteria will be built among the three hosting organizations, which includes the Jersey Off-Road Bike Association, Vimba, and the Michigan Mountain Bike Association. So ideally, the hope is that through a deadline on October 1st, uh, we'll receive the submissions and we'll send those applications um, to the selection uh, committee. And ideally, we'll be um, awarding two trail grants um, during uh, the event. Uh, and again, it's it's anyone who presents and or submits a poster is eligible to win those grants. So the idea was that there could be a takeaway beyond the dates of the event. And what better way to do that than to support everybody's trail? Yeah, and and long term takeaways is is something that um that that is is discussed on on the website about this event. So so beyond that grant, what other long term takeaways are you kind of hoping that uh, that participants will get out of this? The, the hope is that uh, through the networking conversations and community starts because the idea is that we're going to catalog all the posters because um, we're going to have all of the files that are attached to that. Uh, most of the sessions are going to be recorded. And the idea would be doing it in in November was a very intentional choice in that we wanted to be very timely for the organizations that are planning for the upcoming season. We want to give them ideas they can implement right away. Uh, And so the idea ultimately would be then they would implement those ideas the following year. Then in the subsequent years at at the summit, we could then share ways that we tweak and innovate at different angles on ideas that were presented the year before. So the idea is that it's a rolling conversation uh, so who is this event for, kind of? What's the, the target participant? There's really not a, a, a specific uh, organization type or size or age um, targeted. I mean, ultimately, it's anyone who's working in the nonprofit sector to advocate for trails. I'd add that it's, you know, we've named it the State Summit. It's really open for chapters, um, local organizations, state organization, and regional trail organizations as well. And Michigan, Vermont, and and New Jersey are, are kind of hosting it. Uh, are you just kind of pulling from from those three states, or is this a is this more of a, a regional uh, aspect of things? Our hope is that we have national representation. We get people from all over the country. Um, we know uh, we know and empathize that there's a lot of leaders out there that are asking the same kind of questions that we are and want to connect over resources. 
so then let's talk a little bit about where the event's happening. Grand Rapids, Michigan. I assume uh, there's going to be some riding that's uh, included with the event. Yeah. So on Thursday, which is the final day, we'll, um, we don't have formal programming, but we'll be arranging tours. Um, our local chapter, the West Michigan Mountain Bike Alliance, will be leading some tours of our local trails. Here in Grand Rapids proper, we have about 12 different trail systems. And some of them are a little weather dependent and November in Michigan can be a little tricky, but we'll, we'll find some great riding to show off what we have here. Uh, so what was the, the reason for kind of creating this event? I started calling around a few years back to other organizations for feedback and, and insight as I developed um, Zimba. And after a while, I started to get calls as well. So it seemed to me that there was just space to have a conversation and bring all these great ideas together because I learned so much in every phone call that I made um, to other professionals of other parts of the country and really appreciated uh, they're taking the time to, to share what they knew with me. And I was always excited to reciprocate that. And I thought in speaking with Melissa now over a year ago, um, it just seemed like it was a very timely thing that we could bring everybody together and, and share our best tricks. Yeah, I echo that. Um, I recently led our organization through a pretty significant restructure and we had a lot of things that we needed to redo and think about again. Um, so I found the same thing. I was calling different association leaders and chapter leaders, asking them what they were using for membership platforms or insurance programs, or even questions about board governance. It can be a really challenging and uh, sometimes a, a lonely position <laughs> to be in. So the more that we have opportunities to reach out to others and kind of share what we've learned, the better. So how can folks uh, register? How can they, they get involved? Where can they find more information about this? Yeah, for more information, folks are invited to check out Vimba.org, VMBA.org. And under the Get Involved drop window, there's an an 18 MTB State Summit link, and that has a bunch of information about the schedule, the posters, and a bunch of examples of stuff on there. But there's also a Facebook events page, and if you search MTB State Summit, uh, there'll be ongoing updates uh, through Facebook as well. So we invite folks to, to check out both. Well, thank you both for, for taking the time to, to join me and, and share about this. And, and I'm definitely looking forward to, to being out there in November and, uh, and, and potentially getting out for a little bit of a ride as well. Great. We look forward to having you. Thanks, Brent. Next, I'd like to welcome to the show two guests. The first... Jay Darby, longtime friend and past guest of the podcast, chairperson of the IMBA Canada's BC Council. Hey, Jay, welcome back to the show. Hello, Brent. It's good to be here again. And familiar voice, Christine Reed, who was last episode's host. She did an absolutely wonderful job. She's also the executive director at the North Shore Mountain Bike Association. Hi, Christine. Welcome back. Thanks for having me again, Brent. Absolutely. Thank you for, for last week. I, I, uh, I, the episode turned out fantastic and, and I definitely want to talk more about it, but first let's, uh, let's cover the, the Western mountain bike advocacy symposium. Uh, what is it, uh, and, and where is it? So the Western mountain bike advocacy symposium is a partnership between IMBA Canada and the North shore mountain bike association. Uh, it's going to be on October 12th to 14th. So this fall in North Vancouver, we're hosting it at Capilano University at the Blue Shore Financial Center. 
um, which is this awesome venue that we've got set aside to develop a really cool conversation around building a diverse mountain bike community. What kind of discussion are we hoping to have at, uh, at this event? What's the theme? Uh, so the theme we picked is, uh, as I said, you know, building a diverse mountain bike community. And we see that as a discussion of, you know, privilege in the mountain bike community, building First Nations relationships, um, the idea of adaptive mountain biking trails, supporting the voices of youth and women, and then encouraging uh, representation from just a broader cross section of our communities within mountain biking and reducing barriers to participation for those who currently aren't engaging with us or, or participating in the sport we love so much. And we're definitely focused really heavily on building out a program for the for the symposium that's based upon, you know, like workshops and discussion groups and panels and that kind of thing, like really the more interactive opportunities so people can engage with with the presenters and actually start to formulate a conversation around what is what is the change that we need to make and you know what does that change look like. Yeah, and when the North Shore Mountain Bike Association and IMBA Canada were conceiving the symposium, we talked a lot about how we didn't want this symposium to be like just another symposium. We really wanted to listen and take feedback and consider, you know, what pieces of other conferences or symposiums have we been to that we really enjoyed and what were areas of opportunity. So we're excited to have some like little smaller TEDx kind of conversations where you can connect and understand and see who in the audience is also participating, who's shown up to this uh, symposium, and who can you follow up with and have other conversations with. And we're going to have trail uh, work days, we're going to have some lots of riding because it's the North Shore. And we think that during that time is really when some of these conversations and listening that people have done are going to happen. So everything happens on the trails. So being able to have conversations about privilege and about the youth and about programming and how we can um, be more inclusive and more welcoming as a community and then be out on the trails and seeing, you know, what what can we actually do and, and what is possible and what barriers do we have personally that uh, stand in our way in being able to create this kind of programming and um, having various trail associations from all across the nation as well as also from the states will be really helpful in being able to learn and understand from each other and also be able to support other trail associations and any barriers that they're currently up against. Where can people find out more information about the symposium? So right now, the best kind of resource is through uh, the Imba Canada website, which is imbacanada.com. We're actually, our press release is up there and some more details about when it's happening and where it's happening. As well, we've got an online questionnaire running through Google Forms where people can kind of like suggest what they see as things they'd love to participate in, um, as well as kind of you know, help us kind of work out what, what else we're going to do in regards to social events and rides we're planning and stuff. As Christine was saying, you know, we'd really like to make this, you know, an opportunity for everybody to kind of help, you know, put input in and, and have the best symposium to get everybody gets what they want out of it. So and then further information as it's available will go up there as well. 
Uh, now, Christine, kind of related to the the theme of of this event, the North Shore Mountain Bike Association released a, a Trails for All uh, statement uh, very recently, and and uh, I want to know kind of how that that went, what what the reason for for releasing that was. But before I do that, and before I kind of ask that question, I, I just want to read the the very first couple sentences of it. It's actually a quote, and it, it goes, uh, "But why are trees such social beings? Why do they share food with their own species and even go?" as far as to nourish their competitors. The reason are the same as human communities. There are advantages to working together. A tree is not a forest. And, and I just want to say, I, I absolutely love that, that it was started w- with that. Um, I had never heard that quote before, and I thought it was a, a great way to really, I mean, there's as advocates, as trail builders, as mountain bikers, we have a, a connection to the forest and to kind of relate that to the community, I thought was really neat. Um, but the the trails for all statement, what was the reason for for releasing this? The reason for releasing the trails for all statement is we found we were having some discussions amongst the board and um, employees about ways that we wanted to be better, and we wanted to diversify our community. We wanted to make sure that we were welcoming, and so this stems from uh, listening to women. And hearing from them that the Fiverr series and that Fiverr race series was feeling a little intimidating. And we wanted to dig into why and what is it and what solutions can we come up with. And we were hearing from youth groups that they wanted to come out and do trail days with us. And we were like, great. And as we started to attract various youth groups and various schools to come out and do trail days, we got curious as to why was it that very affluent schools were really attracted to this programming and why was it that certain outdoor groups were really attracted to this programming but other groups weren't. So we started to take some introspection and try to understand how is it we were marketing these, who was it in our community that was really um, supportive of this, and maybe who wasn't seeing this type of programming. So we wanted to take an active step to reach out to LGBTQ2 groups. We wanted to take active steps to be able to offer this programming to um, lower socioeconomic schools and underprivileged schools as well. And so through doing this, we found that we needed to set the table with something. We needed to share with our membership some understanding and kind of like behind the scenes thoughts as to why the board and why the the staff were wanting to start to take some of these steps because we also knew we couldn't do it alone. And we wanted to invite the community to support us in this learning support us in uh, being able to make connections with uh, groups that we weren't connected with and to join in the conversation and to lend their voices. So we created the Trails for All statement and we spent a lot of time listening and writing and rewriting and rewriting again because we didn't want to scare anyone off. Uh, We really just wanted to open and be transparent with the community as to where our heads were at and that we needed support and we needed help. So (laughs) when it was released on Pink Bike, we were quickly shown why this statement is needed. There was lots of denial in our community. 
um, denial of racism, uh, denial of sexism. Um, but though there was a lot of conversation over socioeconomic barriers, which are very prevalent, yes, but if we dive farther into socioeconomic barriers, those barriers exist because of sexism and racism. We weren't pointing fingers at anyone. Our intention wasn't to say you are to blame community, but in reading the statement, it's very, uh, we chose our language very carefully because we wanted to invite the community to just have these conversations, to look inward, to have some self-awareness and understanding and, and take one tiny piece of that because we know that one small change can make such a difference. You know, saying hi to somebody on the trails or taking that one extra step to say, hey, come ride with me or sharing, you know, where the trails are with someone in your community that you work with that maybe hasn't gone mountain biking or hiking before. These small changes can make a difference and we want to invite the community to do that. Uh, it was disappointing to see uh, the outrage um, and the comments on Pink Bike, but it also went to serve as a point in proof of why this work is needed. I've received lots of emails from other community organizations, lots of emails from other trail associations and people in our community who are really interested in this work, are very supportive of this work and want to do it. I think social media is just a place where they don't want to share that because People who are excited about change and want to see change are scared that people who don't want to see change are going to tear them apart on social media for that. Yeah, and it's interesting how we we do see you know our that that negative foot forwards online mm-hmm. um, and that representation of our community seems to be s- more negative than than positive um it's unfortunate um you know i've had great uh, private conversations with with people about it and and it's you know for the most part it's been uh it's been positive or at least it's been constructive mm-hmm. um but but the discussion the dialogue sometimes that happens online and i think especially in a place like like pink bike which also has uh, it's global there's also a little bit more uh, anonymity on there compared to something like uh, facebook yeah um it it, uh, it it was um it, it, i wasn't surprised i i was hoping to be surprised um <laughs> i was really hoping <laughs> i would be surprised mm-hmm. um but i wasn't surprised by that reaction it's unfortunate mm-hmm. and i i also want to say uh, you know very similar to friend of the podcast, Patrick Lucas, has always talked about doing things in a good way, running your trail organization, running your business in a good way that doesn't do harm to other people. And all we're saying as an organization and making a stand for is that we do things in a good way. And moving forward, we always look at everything with that lens. It's not to say that we've done things in a, in the, in a bad way and that we're bad people but rather like moving forward, knowing what we know, we, we, can't, we can't turn a blind eye. Turning a blind eye is what continues to feed into racism, sexism, and inequality. And we, we need to learn what is there and in front of us and then choose something different. And it's when you don't choose something different or you fight it that you're continuing to perpetuate racism, sexism, and inequality. 
So uh, as this is the the last episode uh, before I take a, a summer break, I kind of want to do a little introspective on on uh, on the podcast and and where things are at. Um, I think it's a it's a tie between you two as being uh, the first uh, listeners of the podcast. Um, <laughs> it it also didn't hurt that you were you were the first two guests of the podcast as well, and. Christine, I, I'd like to to kind of ask what it was, how was the experience of of being on the other side, on the other microphone, uh, and hosting the podcast? It was the first time that I I've stepped away as as the host, and what was that experience like for you? Well, first, like thank you, Brent, for creating the space for that and seeing that taking your vo- voice out of the conversation amongst women could be really powerful. And it's not to say that your voice isn't needed in that conversation. It definitely is. But it just shows the power and the humility of yourself and what this podcast is trying to create. And that's conversation and and shifting people's minds and thoughts. And so thank you for that. It was really cool, to be honest. Um, it It was cool because I love to challenge myself. And uh, being able to share my voice more loudly and on this platform was uh, a lot of learning about me. (laughs) And then at the same time, to be able to bring together these incredible women who I've had conversations with and for them to talk amongst themselves for the first time. It was really, really cool to experience that. And what was great was having you be worrying about the recording and how everyone was being heard. I could really just be present to the conversation and listen and ask questions instead of feeling like it was more scripted. So that was really amazing. And then being able to share this episode with other women in my life who are outside of mountain biking and to hear from them just like, thank you. Thank you for being able to have these conversations and share them and it's inspired other women who have a certain power in their organization to now take on this conversation within their industry as well. So it was really cool to hear those things from other people and it was both nerve-wracking and empowering to to be the host so thank you <laughs> for that yeah. yeah yeah it was very cool oh it was, it was fantastic it was exciting to uh to be able to listen to it was kind of really the first episode that i listened to because i i'm you know usually by the time it, it gets released i've already heard it in a bunch of iterations and in, in the editing process so it was really neat to actually just listen to a conversation and and be as close to a, a, a an audience member as as i've uh, as i've ever gotten to, mm-hmm. to this podcast which was really neat um jay what was it like to to hit play on an episode and and uh suddenly have a different voice Uh, you know it's always funny to hear yourself talk about something and kind of reflect upon you know what what were you thinking at that time and and you know oh that was a good answer (laughs) you know you don't you don't plan it out when we're doing these conversations and that's what's really unique about this you know i really appreciate this platform and the conversations that we that you've been having and that you know that we've had and that you know, I've been on the episode with Christine before and, you know, that the three of us have had. It's just really, you know, it's it's inspiring to have a mirror put back upon the things that you're working on or the things that you think you should be working on in your own advocacy work and seeing that other people 
are, you know, agree with it or are also undertaking those activities. Um, it's, it's actually kind of funny. I was just looking back at, at how long ago that first couple episodes was and that it's almost, by the time the symposium happens, it'll have been two years. Oh, like, cool. I mean, the first episode was like t- November 2016. And that first run of episodes after it kind of started, you know, is, is reflective of the same conversation we're going to try and have this fall. And I think that just really shows how important this stuff is, like all of these really like broad, you know, bigger picture topics that they do impact mountain biking and they are important conversations to have and that, you know, we need to continue to have them and, and really work through all of these things. Like those first run episodes were about diversity and inclusivity and, and assisted mountain biking or adaptive mountain biking and, and reconciliation and, you know, these, these conversations that we're now going to have in person that we've had electronically. And, and that was where it coalesced with me was that first run, especially of episodes. And when you went back and touched on those topics, especially with this last episode that Christine hosted, you know, it's, it just really brought forward in my mind why these topics are important to the work, you know, as mountain bikers and mountain bike advocacy groups, our real job or, or what, what we're the job we're given by our community is secure trails, maintain trails, advocate for trails, advocate for mountain biking. But through this process of like the front lines, MTB stuff and the conversations that flowed out of it, you know, I think that that in my mind is what solidified this need for mountain biking to, you know, as I've been saying, we kind of need to grow up, you know, we don't need to put on a suit and tie, but we definitely need to start looking at ourselves and maybe dressing a little nicer in regards to how we behave or how we act or the, the image we portray to our community and not just changing the image, but changing the substance behind that. And that being, as Christine says, like mentioned about Patrick is, is the good way. Are we doing this in the right way? Are we moving forward on our, on our missions to, you know, secure mountain biking? Cause we love mountain biking and we want everybody to be able to continue to mountain bike, but are we doing that in a way that is beneficial to the community at large that we're not, enacting negative change upon the community through our actions that everything we do is it has a positive output to the rest of the world or our broader communities that we live in i think that for me that's kind of been like without i think without having a you having these conversations and a forum for these to come forward it's i don't know if i would be as impassioned as i am now about these things or at least informed and and it's, it's motivating to have the feedback from other groups and other people for sure. So by taking some time off for, for me, um, definitely there's uh there's uh, some personal reasons behind that as well. I do want to have some, some summer to, uh, to enjoy, um, it, uh, it, it, an episode every two weeks is, uh, it seems like a, a big enough time slot to, to produce an episode, but, uh, Thursday night before Friday and the release date, it always comes by really quickly. Uh, two weeks go by very fast. Um, so I'm definitely looking forward to having a, a few extra weeks, but it also gives me an opportunity to, to, um, kind of see what's next and, and, and see what other stories are out there and, and to spend a little bit more time, uh, reading and, and researching and, and looking forward to what, um, what fall, uh, is going to look like and what celebrating, uh, two years of this podcast being out, uh, and what will also be, uh, coming up on 50 episodes as well, some big milestones. And I want to make sure that, uh, that, uh, I've got kind of, uh, great episodes that, that come out for that. So, um, what's next? Where, where's this conversation going? What's uh, what's the next thing that we should be looking at? 
what uh, what are either of you excited about? I'm actually excited about taking some of these conversations offline and exploring the opportunity to have some workshops. I think there's opportunity for women in our community or uh, conversations about inclusivity and diversity that we can start to have in smaller groups and bring people together and kind of brainstorm like what is next because I think we can't figure it out on our own and I only have so many ideas and so much time and so much energy but I think being able to collaborate and bring people together which we've seen you know on this podcast collaboration is really what makes successful episodes it's not just you talking to everyone (laughs) Uh, you have to you have to collaborate and work with other people to make that happen I'm excited for diving into, you know, what does diversity mean to different people and hearing different voices. I was really excited. One of my favorite episodes was with Umbreen Tarek of Brown People Camping Instagram account and just sharing her experiences because being able to hear some of more of these stories and people's experiences, I think will really show the community and those people who are saying like this isn't happening on my trails my trails and uh, I don't see this in my community and I think it's because our community is very homogenous and that we aren't listening to these stories and and believing them so I'm really excited to to hear other experiences and I would encourage you to find some more voices and more stories to tell because I think that those are really interesting and they're really relatable and I think will be what creates change for local advocacy groups and communities and people. I think for me, the big thing is somebody who spent 18 years in the industry working in bike shops, dealing with with companies and, and dealing with bike media and stuff like that it's you know i'd love to see and i don't know how we do it and i don't know how we get it out there is these conversations not leave the advocacy world but it but but you know like flow out into the mountain biking world in general like to see more you know companies kind of step away from the marketing aspect of it and actually into the discussion aspect of what is diversity why do we need to ensure that, that everybody feels welcome in, in mountain biking. And, and I think that media has power there. And as you've had media discussions on past episodes, you know, I think that that's a, a very pervasive thought that, that media has that power and sure they have their, you know, they have to meet their content demands in order to sell more magazines or get more views to get more advertising. But I think that there's a conversation that needs to be had there between advocacy and and you know the bike industry and and the media bike media and and how do we how do we kind of like bring this conversation to the public because the, the you know as advocacy groups we only have so much time and so much power and it's you know media and and the bike industry they have a lot more time a lot more resources and a lot more power and i think that that they need to or you know perhaps we need to in some aspects figure out how to bring them into this conversation of we can each work in each of our little communities and, and try and get our own local community on board with, with what is diversity and why is it important, but without having some presence of media or some presence of the, of the bike industry in this conversation, it's, we're fighting a bigger machine than we are. 
because if they're not joining in or participating or at least supporting what we're doing, it's kind of like a real uphill battle because media and, and the bike industry reflects what the bike community is and people buy into that. And once they start realizing that reflecting a broader vision of what is mountain biking or what is cycling, if you take it even further, is is important because they need to support what we're doing and and this is important work that's going to only bring us forward as a as a community and as a sport. I think that's for me, that's the big and it's a really big next step. I mean, trying to get <laughs> your average mountain biker to, to think about this, but trying to get somebody in an office somewhere who's just concerned about next year's product release to like think about this is a a, a big battle to to roll with. But I I think that that's, you know, that's how we take this to the next step is when we start seeing the industry and media having more conversations about this and having a a bigger role to play and realizing their role to play that if they're not reflecting, you know, what, what we need that, that, you know, we're there, they kind of rely on us in a way to, you know, ensure there's trails to sell mountain bikes to ride on, but they need to kind of buy into this, this image that we, well, I'm, as a community kind of have decided that like, you know, we need to grow up and they need to grow up with us. <laughs> and that we can't stop this conversation. You know, no. there was a time after the Trails for All statement came out, especially after the comments on Pink Bike, that I was then even nervous to host the uh, women's podcast. You know, that, that thought went through my mind is, should I just shut up? And the answer is no. <laughs> the answer is we need to keep having this conversation, not only in our community, because it sounds like it's uncomfortable and uh, we need to get more comfortable with it. But also the more we talk about it, the more other industry is going to take notice. And you see that in a lot of people who are you know, sharing their emotional labor right now to reduce sexism and racism and inequality. There's other people in our community, not just myself or the NSMBA or Imba Canada or this podcast that are having these conversations. There's a lot of other people and they too come up against, you know, should I just shut up? And the answer is no, because this work is so needed and we just need to find ways to continue moving forward with this conversation and um, being able to share these experiences with other people. But it's it's a genuine thought that goes through your mind when you're taking on, you know, even trail advocacy work, when you're taking on trying to create a new program, when you're even trying to start as a trail association is like, should like, should I do this? Like, this is hard work. And the answer is always, heck yes, <laughs> because I'm doing it for other people. This isn't about me. It's about everyone else in my community and the people that I don't identify with because I can't ever be something other than who I am, but I can empathize and I can make a difference and I can listen and I can choose something different. And I think that that's really important that we continue to share this message and we continue to encourage people to learn and become more self-aware and not to give up just like we didn't give up on the trails. 
So what I'd like to to kind of leave with is uh, it's it's summer. Uh, summer is a great time to to read. Uh, do you have uh, either a favorite book from the Frontlines Book Club uh, or uh, perhaps even a new recommendation for the the Frontlines Book Club? I recommend The Hidden Life of Trees by Peter Wallenben. Um, he's who. Uh, the quote for the beginning of the Trails for All statement comes from it comes from this book, and uh, it speaks a lot about trees and trees in their community, and uh, talks about like how trees feel and how they communicate. And I think that there's a lot of learning in this book um, that we can not only experience when we're out on the trails, but I think we can also experience in our community. So I think uh, it's a great great beach read or on your couch read or in your backyard read or by the lake read. That would be my recommendation. I got a, the one I'm, I'm currently reading and I haven't quite finished it yet is, is how to think a survival guide for a world at odds by Alan Jacobs, which I heard him speak on the CBC once. And immediately after hearing him talk, I had to go out and get the book. And, you know, it's just a really great, simple read about, you know, how we're in trouble because we don't think right. How do we confront people that have different opinions in us? Or how do we, you know, engage with people that have different thoughts and different ideas about the world and how to do that in a constructive way that doesn't alienate them or remove us from the conversation because we're too stuck in our own kind of like vision of, of how we see the world. Um, and it's just a really great, book that's you know it's it's actually a pretty quick read but the nice thing about it is that it, it references a lot of of like literature and and other studies and it's it's almost like a like a lengthy book review <laughs> it is it doesn't it doesn't rely on here's my opinion about what you need to do it, it's it's this really great read of of you know here's all these people that have thought about this before they've thought about how to think how do we how do we engage in conversation in a constructive way and here's like a, a coalesced version of all of the things out there from whether it's research or, or yeah, like, yeah, you know, true, uh, historical literature and that kind of thing. And it really brings it together and, and helps you kind of see a little bit better into other people's eyes and, and, and realize that, you know, you may not change people's opinions, but you need to be open to, to their opinions in order to try and bring them towards, you know, the, the, what you're seeing in the world. So it's a really great book and it, uh, yeah, it's a pretty good read so far. So. I would also suggest to anyone who hasn't listened to past episodes of the podcast to go back and find those episodes that you've missed or that you've just been putting in your queue. And instead of taking a read through a book, you can also listen to some of the past episodes and enjoy the conversations that have been had and see if there's an opportunity to resurge them that's a bad word but whatever <laughs> reinvigorate the thoughts <laughs> yes you can edit that out <laughs> no that's that's good that's uh it, it only took one episode you're 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 a pro uh, at this now it's it's uh it's fantastic <laughs> i've learned like, all of the little was, things to do now <laughs> <laughs> that was a, that was a seamless plug i wish i thought of that 
that was that was wonderful. Um, well, thank you so much, both of you, for for taking time out of uh, out of what I know is is a, a busy schedule. So um, it's always great to have uh, have either of you, or, or when I get the the opportunity, both of you at the same time on the episode. It's always uh, it's always great to hear from from both of you. It's always enjoyable to be part of this conversation. Yeah, I love making space for this. Thank you, Brent, for this, and and, and thank you, Jay. It's really, it's, too, it, I think this podcast has been what has connected you and I, and we've taken Absolutely. that conversation from, you know, on this podcast to through email to, you know, on the phone as well. So it's, uh, look at what you've done, Brent. Look at these yeah. connections that you've <laughs> made. This is amazing. This. <laughs> That's awesome. That's great. That was, that was the whole idea. Thank you very much. Thank you, Brent. Big thanks to Tom Stusey and Melissa Workman, as well as the Vermont Mountain Bike Association, the Michigan Mountain Bike Association, and the Jersey Off-Road Bicycle Association. If you're interested in attending the 2018 Mountain Bike State Summit in Grand Rapids, Michigan on November 6th and 7th, you can find more information at vmba.org. That's vimba.org. And it's always a treat to have Jay Darby and past host Christine Reed back on the show. It was great speaking to them about the podcast, where it started, where it's going, and hearing about the Western Advocacy Symposium hosted by IMBA Canada and the North Shore Mountain Bike Association. The event takes place October 12th to the 14th in North Vancouver, BC, and you can find more details on that at imbacanada.com. Like always, you can find the show on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at FrontlinesMTB. Over the summer, I'll be sharing lots of content on the Facebook page. And if you haven't joined the Facebook group, then go ahead and do that. You can find it by searching for advocates on the front lines of MTB. And you can always send me an email or audio file to info at frontlinesmtb.com. You can stream the show on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, SoundCloud, and YouTube. And if you haven't done so already, leave a review on wherever you get the show. It helps others find the podcast. I know I say that every single episode, but I really mean it. And don't forget to support the show via PayPal. You can find a link in the show notes, along with a link to the Frontline's MTB Book Club. The latest recommendations are The Hidden Life of Trees by Peter Wollobin and How to Think, A Survival Guide for a World at Odds by Alan Jacobs. In the show notes, you'll also find links to both events discussed in today's episodes. It would be great to see you at either of them. The podcast will be back with new episodes in September. So get out, listen to some past episodes, read a book or two, and get out on your bike for some rides. Music, as always, is by Lee Rosevere. Production notes by Jennifer Pride. Artwork is created by Brandon Gallagher-Watson and BGW Creative. And finally, I'm Brent Hillier. This is Frontlines. Thanks for listening, and happy trails.